Have you got stuck in holiday traffic yet? <laughs> I'm not talking about crossing the bridge over here, but uh, <clears throat> it seems that uh, that's not a real fun way to spend your day. But during the Christmas holidays, it seems like the interstates and the roads all across this country are jammed with people trying to reach their loved ones. The airports, the bus stations, the interstates are all crowded. Well, today we're going to begin a series that uh, are looking at three different travelers who are on the road to Bethlehem. Today we're going to focus on Mary and Joseph on the road to Bethlehem, and the story is found in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read that passage, and then we'll get into our text. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Father, as we look at this old, old story about the birth of our Savior, I pray that, God, we would find new faith, new encouragement from this passage of Scripture. Pray that your name would be honored and your people would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Joseph and Mary on the road to Bethlehem. What was the purpose of their trip in these verses? They came because of the requirement of a census. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Of course, Caesar is the ruler of the Roman world, which happened to be in charge of the whole known world at that time, and especially here in uh, Bethlehem in uh, Judea. He was still Caesar over that. His real name was actually Octavian. They called him Caesar, of course, because he was the, the ruler. That was, but the, the name Augustus was given to him in about um, uh, 40. He ruled for 41 years, and he was given this title in 27 B.C. And the word Augustus is kind of like a, a, a divine name given to him. And, of course, they had emperor worship back then. And so he died in 14 A.D. So he was the, the ruler during a, a lot of Jesus' life. Now, the purpose was to get an accurate record of the region's population for taxation purposes. Even though Augustus was ruling, God was in charge. You ever find that? It doesn't matter who is on the, the throne or who is in the White House or the Blue House or whatever. God is still on the throne. Actually, the Blue House is where Koreans have their, their uh, that's the Korean White House anyway. You learn that from watching these Netflix Korean movies and things like that. <laughs> Sorry, I made a confession. <laughs> 
Well, he used this edict, and it's amazing how God used Caesar to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. It's amazing how God will do that. So Rome took a census every 14 years for both military and tax purposes, and each Jewish male had to return to the city of his fathers. Now, Joseph was living in Nazareth in Galilee, but he had to go back because that was the city of his birth and his forefathers. That's where he would be registered. Now, uh, to name for their name and their occupation, property, and family. Now, every time I read the Christmas story, and I've read this Christmas story ever since I had children, because we'd sit around the Christmas tree, and we would read this story, and I'd always come to verse uh, 2. This census first took place while... I always have trouble with this word. Quirinius, okay? Quirinius was governing Syria. And I've always thought, you know, I ought to study who this guy is. But, you know, you get busy opening presents and you don't feel like studying anything at all. So I did some studying on who this guy Quirinius really is this past week. He was the governor of Syria. And Syria was the province that the Roman emperor lost that was over the land of Palestine. So the Quirinius was actually had a census in A.D. 6. Now, so the, there's a lot of debate on what actually verse 4 should be translated. So as you look, or verse 2, it really should be translated something like this. This, this census first took place before Quirinius was governor of Syria. So that would be a better understanding of that because we know that he took a census in 6 B.C. and Jesus was born around 4 B.C. So that's probably the best way to understand it. So we see that they are in Bethlehem. They're on the road to Bethlehem. And that trip must have been in, in time and had some difficulties on the way. Have you ever been stranded on your Christmas vacation Boy, I tell you, it is not fun to be stranded in the airport over Christmas because somebody got snowed out. I remember one, it wasn't Christmas, but one Thanksgiving we spent in a ditch in the interstate because of the snow. You know, that's not a fun place to to be either. But uh, stranded. Well, Joseph and Mary must have had some difficulties. How long would it have taken to travel from Nazareth, their hometown, to Bethlehem? Now, you've got to understand, this is a journey of about 80 miles. Now, normally a, a person could w- walk 20 miles a day. But if you're nine months pregnant, you're not going to walk very fast. Even if you rode on a donkey, you're going to have to stop. So it probably means that their journey took place for about eight days. Now, we're not told that she rode on a donkey, but most likely she did. Now, the road from Galilee to Bethlehem had many hazards. There were wild animals. There were bad bandits. The valley of the Jordan River was a forested refuge for lions and bears and wild boars. We got those in Florida. Archaeologists have uncovered signs warning travelers of these dangers. Now, assuming that the family traveled in winter, we're not 
really sure that Jesus was born on December 25th. I hope you know that by now. It's not, I'm not ruling, ruining some of your fantasies or anything, am I? Now, we don't know exactly when he was born, but assuming that it was in December or there, it might have been a lot cold too, you know, so it, it would have been suffering some of the cold temperatures of that region. This trip was also a fulfillment of prophecy. The couple knew she was, had to go to Bethlehem. And so Joseph was really the only one legally that had to go. But Mary was about to give birth and he didn't want to leave her home. You know, so they both went together and they both knew that this baby had to be born in Bethlehem. Because it was a fulfillment of prophecy. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible says in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now, you notice it, that there is this two Bethlehems in Palestine. This was the specific one in the region of um, Ephrathah. So, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, you little town of Bethlehem, shall come forth... To me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, of course, uh, Bethlehem was the city of David. But Micah prophesied that not about David, but about the one, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. On the road to Bethlehem, we've seen the purpose of the trip. But I, I think we also need to focus on some of the miracles, the miracles that were there, the miracle of the birth. After such a long and dangerous and grueling trip, Mary and Joseph finally arrived in Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Now, it's fit, fitting that Jesus Christ is called the bread of life in, in the Gospels. And due to the census, Bethlehem must have been overcrowded with people. There was no room for the Lord Jesus to stay, it says in the inn. No room for Mary and Joseph anywhere, except probably they stayed in a cave. A cave where there was a stable to house animals. Now, I know my sweet wife, but I don't think she would ever stay in a cave, uh, no matter how... Uh, how, like, she would said, go find a, a better place. But Mary was uh, very compliant. She found this place. They were housed in quarters that were not private. According to tradition, there was a cave near the inn. The child was placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough, and from which the livestock were fed. Being wrapped in strips of cloth was important, for this is the way the shepherds was going to identify the child. Oh, it's the one that's wrapped in swaddling cloths. Okay, that's the one. And some infants back then were bound up in these to keep their limbs straight and unharmed. So Jesus' birth was a normal birth, but it was also a miraculous birth because the miracle of the virgin birth. Now, a lot of skeptics, you know, downplay this aspect. But, folks, the Bible very clearly says in the Old Testament and the New Testament that the Messiah would be born from a virgin. 
In the Gospel of Luke, just uh, one chapter before, chapter 1, listen as I read the angel's announcement to Mary. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, verse 26, was sent to God to a city, sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. What a wonderful birth announcement that the angel told this young virgin. You are going to conceive in your womb and his name is going to be Jesus. He will be the Messiah. He'll reign. He'll reign. And just imagine the news of that sinking into her. What was her response? Well, hey, it's normal. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be? <laughs> Since I do not know a man, I have not been sexually intimate with anybody. I am a virgin. And the angels answered her, said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Not the son of Joseph, the son of God. So it's very clear in the scriptures here that this is a miraculous birth. Never happened before, never will happen again. A virgin birth. So we see that miracle. Also the miracle of fulfilled prophecy. All through the birth account of the Lord Jesus, you have prophecy after prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled. Not only the virgin birth, but also the, the literal town in which the Messiah was to be born in. We see that is happening here. Also the miracle of angelic proclamations. The angels are showing up all the time. The angel showed up to Mary. angel uh, was in a vision, uh, a dream from Joseph. The angels uh, were, were there and showing and pro proclaiming the birth to the shepherds. We see the angels all around. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. They announce that. You know, birth announcements are uh, big deals today. You know, and gender reveal parties. Any, have you ever been to a gender reveal party? Boy, some of you uh, don't haven't been to your grandkids' gender reveal parties. I know I have. I've been to those, and they think of unique ways, unique ways to tell what gender it is and tell the birth announcement. Just imagine having an angel show up at your birth announcement and saying, this is going to be a boy and this is his name and all of that even before he's born. So that, that was a, a neat thing. There's also another miracle that we find here and that's the miracle of the star. Now we're going to be teaching a little bit more in detail about the star next week. But this, this is, uh, the stars 
uh, told about in the Gospel of Matthew. The wise men were the ones who saw the star, not Mary, not the shepherds. Not, uh, the star had to do with the wise men. We're going to look at that and the significance of that and what actually was that star. But it was a miracle anyway. The miracle also, the greatest miracle, was the incarnation. Now, we talked about the virgin birth, but the incarnation, simply, the word carne is flesh. To be made flesh. God became man. That's exactly what incarnation. And listen as I read Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11, because it really reveals the miracle, the great miracle of Christmas when God became one of us. Listen to what Paul writes, Philippians 2, 6. Who, being in the form of God, it's talking about Jesus, talking about Christ, who being in the form of God, the same substance as God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Beautiful passage of Scripture. I think a year ago or a couple years ago, I I preached a series of messages called Christmas from the Epistles, and that Philippians 2 passage is... The really a Christmas passage when God became man, died on the cross, rose again, was glorified, and he's now at the right hand. That's the whole story right there, folks. That's a wonderful story of Christ coming down. What a miracle. What a miracle. Well, we see Joseph and Mary on the road to Bethlehem, difficult journey, nine months pregnant, and finally the miracles the miracles that happened in all of this, the virgin birth, God became man, the miracle of being born in Bethlehem. Now we're going to be looking at the road back from Bethlehem in verse 39 and following. Now I have another confession. Besides um, watching those Korean Netflix things, uh, (laughs) I happen to like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Don't tell anybody, okay? You know, Chevy Chase is there, and his character wants to have the perfect family Christmas vacation. So he has all the relatives come there, and it's like one disaster after another. They attempt to have a perfect Christmas, and of course, the Christmas lights don't work. And he, and he blows out half the town because of his attempts to have the Christmas lights. The Christmas tree burns down, and dinner is terrible. Can you see them eating that turkey dinner? It's just terrible with cat food and the green jello. It's just terrible. <laughs> 
his boss is kidnapped, and the relatives just can't wait to go home, (laughs) to get away from this disaster of a Christmas. Vacations and holidays and trips all have to come to an end. Some too soon, some you just can't wait to get back home again from your Christmas vacation. Well, Joseph and Mary's time in Bethlehem was over in Luke 2:39 when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord they returned to Galilee to their own city Nazareth now when you think of um, Bethlehem you think of all the peace all the joy all of the quiet all of the sereneness that was there but Really, when you read of Bethlehem in the Bible, we find that the Bible has an uncensored story about Bethlehem. The Bible tells unflinchingly that it was a town of hope, but it was also a town of horror, a town of beauty, but also a town of brutality in the days of King Herod. There was danger on the road back home. Matthew chapter 2 tells us that, verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise man. Imagine that, going back home, thinking that somebody is going to try to kill your child. This is the road back from Bethlehem, the danger that they had. They didn't have to worry about getting stuck in traffic, didn't have to worry about uh, any other getting stuck in a snowbank or anything like that. They had to worry about Herod coming after their child to kill him. So what God did, God changed the directions. Joseph receives new directions in Matthew chapter 2, Verse 13 to 14. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, it's interesting that uh, Joseph has these dream angels and Mary has an actual physical angel showing up. And someone asked me this week, uh, what was the angel's name that appeared to uh, Joseph? And I said, that would be interesting. What is his name? And uh, I don't know. It's not there. Most likely, it's Gabriel, because Gabriel appeared to Mary, and we assume that uh, he appeared to Joseph as well, and to the other uh, characters in the story. But anyway, we, we have this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying this. Now, this is God directing Joseph, the head of the house, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt... And stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Well, I'm sure that Herod knew where Joseph was from. He probably took that out. And he probably had guards stationed on the way back to Galilee to try to kill this rival uh, child. But the angel told Joseph, don't go back Go to Egypt a different way. Take a different route. 
When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Imagine, Her imagine the, the wickedness of Herod, the wickedness of this man, killing all the baby boys under two years old just so that you can get the one. Kill them all. Just so we can eliminate the rival, this one that's supposed to be king, I don't want to have anybody claiming my throne. And sometimes dictators and leaders get in this maniacal that they are greater and, they're, and they retain power. That, that grasping for power is nothing but the devil. And that's what happened, killing all those babies in that time. We see more prophecies are fulfilled in this event in Matthew 2, verse 15. And there, and was there until the death of Herod. In other words, they stayed in Egypt until this wicked king, Herod, died. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I've called my son. When did Jesus go down to Egypt? Only when he was a baby. And this fulfilled prophecy as well. And then verse uh, Matthew 2, 17 and 18. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Another prophecy. A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. Rachel is uh, synonymous with uh, all of the, the mothers of Israel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more, because of the, the death of those babies in Bethlehem area. So more prophecies will fill. Finally, they arrive home in Matthew 2, verses 19 to 23. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, Take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which spoken by the prophets he shall be called a, Nazareth, a Nazarene. Joseph and Mary on the road to Bethlehem teaches us some amazing contrast. Caesar, the world's ruler, versus Jesus, the world's redeemer. Hell's murderous plot and heaven's glorious plan. On the road to Bethlehem, there was a song written back in the 1865 by a man the name Phillips Brooks. He wrote this song entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. He wrote this song after taking a trip to Bethlehem. It took him a long time on the boat getting to the, the city, uh, getting to Palestine. And then on Christmas Eve, he made his way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem on horseback. The scene and experience that he had there was etched permanently in his mind. So back home in Philadelphia, during the Christmas season of 1868, his mind was flooded, the memories of his trip on the road to Bethlehem. I remember especially on Christmas Eve when I was standing in the old church at Bethlehem, close to the spot where Jesus was born, 
when the whole church was ringing hour after hour with the splendid hymns of praise to God and how again and again it seemed as if I could hear voices that I knew well telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. He sat at his desk and words began to flow from his pen to the paper. He penned the words that night to that we believers have sung for over a century, a little town of Bethlehem. Thinking of Bethlehem, Phyllis Brook put it this way, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Yes, the hopes and fears of all our years are met in him that night. If you would go to the little town of Bethlehem today, you might not be allowed in. <laughs> Because that's in the West Bank. And there's so much turmoil. I just read a little bit on the internet. Due to the volatile security situation in the West Bank, it's unpredictable with continuing tensions and violence between Israeli and Palestinians. This includes the tourist destination of Bethlehem. We do not advise travel to that place. So you can't go to Bethlehem today. But we can. We can get to Bethlehem we travel there by our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to come there because it was a place of the greatest miracle we'd ever had, how God became man to die on the cross to pay for our sin. On the road to Bethlehem, I, the greatest miracle is salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you very much for this old, old story. As Joseph and Mary travel those 80 miles on the road to Bethlehem. And I pray, Father, if there's one here that has never received Christ as Savior, may they travel that road today and find that child who will become their Savior if they just place their faith in Him for salvation. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together as we close.